Welcome to ODAC's first installment of our Youth Partnership Series as part of Youth Advocacy Month. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Charlie O'Brien, a recent undergraduate from McGill University. And I, my first question for him is just to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you majored in and what you look forward into in the future. Yeah, thank you so much, Alex, for having me on. Uh, and that's an awesome question. Um, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Um, I was listening to other fireside chats that ODAC has done, and they were awesome, inspiring, and insightful. So I'm excited to see this youth partnership come to life. Um, so a bit about me. Uh, I grew up in New York City. I went to school in the Bronx, went to the Bronx High School of Science, right across the street from Alex. Uh, and I went to McGill University and majored in psychology and minored in economics. So what I feel like that has done for me has given me a great understanding of people. Uh, I'm able to understand different archetypes of what a person could be and understanding as well that there's nuance in each of those categories and that you can't totally fit people into boxes, but we can kind of understand the general overarching themes of what motivates them, what they're passionate about, and those sorts of things. Um, and then the economics piece of that helps me to understand how we can apply that to make some money, uh, which is a bit nefarious if I'm being honest with you. Uh, sometimes I tell people it's like they're really just teaching you how to manipulate people. But, um, you know, hey, at the end of the day, we all got to make a living, right? Exactly. And in terms of you, you would ask as well in terms of um, what do I look forward to in the future? Uh, it's hard to say because the other side of hope is fear. And I definitely am hopeful for the future and all the endeavors that I want to embark on, but it's about uh, staying one step at a time and remembering to just keep to action with little bits and pieces. And that hopefully as you keep in, in the weeds and you're doing that, you can keep to remember the bigger picture of it all. Certainly. And also so far, even in your young age, you've already embarked on a couple projects that I want to ask you about and you could tell our audience. So first of all, um, I know your first initiative was caught on tape, if you wanted to expand on that, and then also get into a little bit about your tradable card game, The Visionary War. Yeah, sweet. So just to start, you know, art is a very personal thing. Um, and I think each of my projects has been about healing myself or expressing in a different way. Uh, so I'll talk about caught on tape first. And that, as you said, was really the start of my creative journey. So to set the scene, one thing I know about myself is, is that I struggle with keeping still, doing nothing, and being bored. Uh, and unfortunately, COVID started. And as we all know, there was not much to do, especially in the beginning. Uh, I was back home with my parents, and you couldn't really go out and do anything. So naturally, I picked up sewing. And to answer your question more directly as well, clothing and sewing have been, well, I guess, yeah, sewing has been a big part of my family's expression, um, as well as my own since a young age. My grandmother was a big seamstress and at like the parties growing up and the family events, uh, my mom would regularly tell stories about her mom's creative endeavors into clothing. And when she passed away, I got to take some of, some of that wardrobe and try it on for myself, even though she was obviously a woman and I'm a man. Um, we got to sort of, I got to play around with that gender expression in a fun way. So central to an, an identity of my clothes is sort of like androgyny uh, and also colorful expression which are things that are associated historically uh, with women and uh, females. So I think that's also super fun. Uh, and then when I got to high school at the Bronx High School of Science in New York, uh, there's an expectation, maybe you felt this, Alex, 
to be well-dressed, to be flashy, and to have style. Uh, so soon after meeting a very, very close and longtime friend of mine, Joel, I came into that form of expression for myself. And at the time, that sort of meant grappling with feelings of insecurity, feelings of inferiority, and not being enough, which really dominated the, like my age of 16 to 18. And so it helps me to express that in a much healthier way than past generations of my family had. Um, and on the other hand, like you had mentioned, the Visionary War is really a different animal all in itself. Uh, growing up, I played trading card games most of my life, and it was a really, really big part of my self-expression growing up. Uh, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! I played Magic the Gathering. I played Warhammer, which isn't a card game, but it's a similar sort of genre. And so as someone who enjoys card games and solving problems, I think this sort of problem-solving venture was a natural evolution in my passion. And I think like playing card games as a kid has really helped me shape this lens of thinking of being a problem solver, being a system level thinker and making creative connection between ideas. And in those days it was cards and these days it's still cards, so. So specifically first related to Caught on Tape, you said it was an endeavor you embarked on based on kind of your experience in high school and the environment at the time and, and dealing with, you know, these complex feelings you're feeling as a young adult how have you found or did you find you were able to express yourself with your particular branding of clothing how had did that shape your personality and how were you able to use that in a mechanism that was different from how your parents or past generations reacted to those difficult feelings that everyone experiences in high school and I want to know how you were able to translate that angst into this product because not many people can Absolutely. do that yeah um so i think one of the things that really stuck out to me what you said there was turning feelings into an expression right and i can't speak for other people but i know as a man raised in current society i feel as if there's an expectation about lack of expression there's an expectation about keeping things in you're told not to express sadness. You're told not to express fear. Uh, and all of these emotions are things that we all feel. Uh, and especially for me, um, I was I had great parents who taught me that expressing most of those emotions was okay. And it was okay to let that stuff out and talk about it. That was the expectation in many ways. Um, but the one emotion which I wasn't allowed to express was frustration and anger. And the first collection that I ever did is this collection called Danger Zone. And you can kind of, and it, it's also a product of the environment that I was in because the Bronx High School of Science had at the time sort of a reputation about, um, you know, gang culture and stuff like that. Uh, I won't go into the details, but I was able to express this sort of anger, this angst, this sort of pent up emotion that was exacerbated by COVID uh, in a way that was, in my opinion, trendy at the time. You know, you see ski masks which are sort of a cult like a cultural icon of like someone like kodak black or like a rap group in, in general and you see red and black which are associated with a punk movement and with like vampires and stuff like that so you see sort of like my own roots of personal um connection to culture uh personified in my clothes through emotion um because emotion is sort of where i think i derive my creativity from um, but to translate that into products, like I don't necessarily 
think that at that point in time, I was really thinking about how can I sell this to someone? I was more so thinking about how can I create something that feels true to myself? And funnily enough, I think a lot of people resonated with that. And I know as someone who's known you for a while, that the real culminating moment for your brand and that expression was we go to University of Montreal and we go to McGill there. It was their sustainable fashion show. Can you explain the feelings that went into first, or I guess first the logistics that went into how you prepared for the show and then the feelings you felt during it and after it in regards to fashion and kind of this full circle moment with expressing yourself through clothing and how that all tied yeah. together. That's an awesome question. And I feel like you're making me think about things that I totally haven't put together yet. So it's really cool to be able to make these connections in my own mind. Um, I guess, and maybe this is, I don't know where this exactly comes from for me, but there's this feeling of having to conquer my goals and feeling like I have to meet uh, goals with like this sort of oomph and this conquering feeling to it. And getting to go through this Casco, which is the, the uh, McGill Fa Sustainable Fashion Runway Show, um, and getting to walk on stage uh, was sort of a reconnecting to my youth because I also did a lot of acting growing up. And I there's a kind of a bit of backstory there too, which I'm not going to, we guess we could delve into it if you want. But um, logistically, it was challenging uh, and it pushed me outside of my comfort, comfort zone to execute on a timeline when it came to art, uh, which I had never done before. And in some ways didn't believe I knew how to do. So getting to do it, I was like, yeah, I know how to do this. I could replicate this, putting myself under pressure now. I know how to do this. Um, and then walking in the show was sort of, if you want to use these terms, the dopamine release that I needed to kind of put that to the side and be like, now I can look at this, not just as an obsession, but as like, do I want to continue pursuing this? Um, and so I've taken a big step back from clothes uh, in the more avant-garde sense. I think I'm kind of gearing up to pursue something more commercial, but um, does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it gives a real, you know, understanding of the beginning, middle and end to that project. And obviously I don't mean to say end because it's evolution and it'll, you know, integrate itself in different aspects of your life. But specifically you did say that you're gearing up for this new, you know, moment in your life and, and with that that entails as someone with, with your skill set new projects um, and I know our audience and a lot of young people really struggle with okay first they say they identify their new idea but then it's how do we get this project off the ground what are the first sure. steps we do when we start a new project we have the idea how do we actually build that runway for it to be executed and so my question for you is, what are those difficulties that you faced personally? And what are some steps that you've developed to overcome them in, you know, your early career as, you know, someone who who wants to create products that the world interacts with? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, and I think you identified what a lot of ideas-based people have a problem with, which is transitioning from ideas to execution. And for a long time, for me, what helped was writing every single idea I had in a notebook. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of young people with great ideas resonate with the notion that there's too many ideas and not enough time. And so I just started doing that. I would spend, I probably spent a year just writing down every single idea I had because I didn't have time to go and execute 
on all these ideas that I was having. I had university, I had a social life, I had all these things, which I wasn't really able to take the time that an idea that I really love needs to nurture. Think about it like a child, you know, it's like you really have to um, take care of it and bring it from it needing you to just supporting it. Um, so I did that for a few years and one day eventually, uh, especially now that I've graduated, this is really more so a recent thing. I gave up on that idea of just holding things in and writing things down. Uh, I just, I decided to start doing it. And I think, you know, two that as someone with ideas, I want to share those ideas with people. And as someone who understands people's emotions too, I'm looking for a reaction from someone else. Right. So I share their, my idea with them and then I'm waiting for them to be like, wow, that's a great idea. Like go do it, you know, but it's like, no, one's going to tell you to do that. No, one's going to do that really. Uh, unless you got some great mentors at a young age, in which case that's awesome and good for you. But you have to be your own self-starter. You have to be the person that lights the fire under your own ass and sort of gets going. Um, so for me, that meant, okay, I've got this idea, which I think is great. Now I got to go prove it to the world, right? I got to go prove it to the world, to myself and to everyone that I've been telling, right? And um, so that's what that's been. Uh, just some actionable steps for people, right? Write the idea, write a one month plan for what you want it to be. What does it look like in a month? What does it look like in six? How can you execute on that in small ways you got to break things down uh, because when you have an idea you know in the beginning you're like oh it's gonna be really easy to get this idea done it's gonna take six months and then you realize it's actually gonna take six years to get it done and then you kind of think like is this something that I want to do and you have to be real to yourself about like is this something that you're passionate enough about to pursue through all the way to the end even when things are hard and times are tough and maybe you start to have responsibilities as well um, outside of just living life. That's an excellent answer. And I think a lot of our audience will really appreciate that, that feedback and that step-by-step -step understanding of what it takes to actually first go, oh, I have this big idea, but now let me make that one-year plan and let me see down the line, is this something I can really put all my time and effort into? Because as we get older, we already, you know, even as young people, we have so many things going on in our lives and that's only going to increase as we get older. Um, and another point you made was, you know, obviously you've been in university the last four years, you're a recent graduate, and you talked about this idea of having no time and having to balance a social life, balance academia. And our organization, ODAC, is co entirely comprised of university students who face these same challenges. Right. So a question that I think our audience would really appreciate an answer to, or just some ideas about is, First of all, you know, identifying the challenges that you faced embarking on these pursuits while balancing a social life in academia. And then secondly, what advice would you give to a younger you who's about to start university and who still has that ambitious spirit? What advice would you give that person in regards to starting the projects they're passionate about during university? Yeah, um... Well, that's a great question. And I think about that actually a lot of the time. Um, and I think really what it comes down to um, is firstly, I want to say um, advice. Everyone has it. Everyone has advice for you. And what I found myself doing was getting stuck in place, getting advice from too many people. Right. So I would have someone tell me, oh, you should go get an MBA. And then I'd have someone else tell me, oh, you should just start your entrepreneurial journey now. Screw the school, drop out. You know, if you think you've got it, then go, go get it, you know? And what I found was I would just get so much advice from people 
that I was just stuck exactly where I was and I wasn't moving and I wasn't acting and I wasn't doing anything. So my advice to people is don't take anyone else's advice or at least measure it, right? If you have advice from someone who's 10 years in an entrepreneur and they've succeeded, you know, maybe take their advice more than someone like me who is just starting out on his venture and I could fall flat on my face, you know, and that's okay with me. Um, and then on top of that, remember that you only have one life. And for me, I would beat myself up a lot in university because I was like, I haven't met my goals yet at 19 years old. Um, but 19 is, you're still a child, you know, you're still young and you're still appreciating what it means to not have responsibility. And why take responsibility on then if I didn't have to? Um, and that's something I've reflected on a lot is like, I wish someone had told me it's okay to be a kid. You know, it's okay to just enjoy the moment. You don't have to be always thinking about what's next. And like, for me, I knew that it wasn't going to be going to a Yale graduate program that wasn't in the cards for me and I wasn't interested in it. And so I just needed to be okay with myself. Um, so I think, again, that's another thing that people of our age struggle with. I think a lot, especially with social media is just being okay as you are. Like there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly imperfect and just accept that. And things will figure themselves out, have a plan, have a direction, but things will figure themselves out. I love that. That is such good advice that I think everyone can learn from regardless of age, honestly. Um, yeah. And I want to say, yeah, thank you for this fantastic interview. I really appreciated having this conversation and I can't wait to, to, to get it live on our website and social media at ODAC NY on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and we are definitely going to be following along your journey. This is only the beginning. So we're really excited to, to see what you're able to accomplish and follow alongside you as, as youth advocates ourselves. So thank you so much, Charlie. Of course, it's my pleasure. And I'm going to call out my Instagram. And if anyone listening wants to reach out and, you know, get advice or just shoot the metaphorical crap, like reach out. It's Chasley, C-H-A-Z-L-Y-1. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram. That's the easiest place to find me. Beautiful. And, and we'll definitely tag all your accounts and LinkedIn's and everything in our Spotify description once this goes live on the 29th. Awesome, Alex. I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing it. So thank you so much. Beautiful.